This show is partnered with Idle Champions, a strategy game set in the Forgotten Realms and available for free on Steam, Epic Game Store, Xbox, PlayStation, Switch, iOS, and Android. Each week, our listeners get a redeemable code for an Electrum chest, and this week's code is J-U-D-S-S-E-R-A-U-F-O-S. What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a show where we gather around this podcast table in your ears and talk about some dungeons and dragons. Each week, we or a listener like you writing into difficultyclass at gmail.com come up with a topic, question, encounter, or anything else somehow related to RPGs and have some fun talking about them. I am one of your hosts this week, Allie Deichman, and with me is... Trevor Bettis. And also... Oh my god, it's Ben. It's Puffin Force. Hey, it's good to be hey. here. Thank you for having me. Hey! He's back! On for, on for your yearly schedule yeah, episode. Uh, right on schedule. <laughs> uh, it's probably off by a few months. I don't know. <laughs> I thought track. about that t- I thought about that today. I'm just like, oh crap, we really have only have had Ben on once. Once I have been on once. For- <laughs> <laughs> how's it going, Ben? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Uh how's how's the last year been? Anything interesting <laughs> happen? Oh, okay. Let's let's just get that. Let's just <laughs> the less we talk about that, the better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, 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 we'll, we'll we'll table that conversation for another show. Uh, <laughs> uh, Everything's yeah, how, bad in 2020. That's the other show, mm-hmm. another podcast well, title. Okay, th- this is not at all related to D and D anyway. But I had I had this realization the other day that people s- still talk about 2021 like it's January. Like they're like this year's going to be different. I'm like we're halfway through this. I know. <laughs> I just, <laughs> just lemon. It's Tuesday, and it's like Whoa. yeah. <laughs> It still feels like it's the beginning of the year. I mean, it technically we're at the 40, 48%. Yeah. So yeah, like, uh. close. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, um, we, we got better because, well, uh, a new book came out. Uh, yeah. For, for, for current listeners, if you're in the far flung future, this book's been out for a while. You probably read it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Running around in their sci-fi cars, hovercrafts <laughs> and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or some oh archaeologist digs this up again. We're trying oh to figure God. out about ancient <laughs> culture. Have, okay, I'll be honest. There's been times I've been thinking about, like, how long will podcasts last into the future? Like, somebody, like, 300 years from now is like, hey, look, I found this old retro <laughs> podcast about D&D. <laughs> um, but, yeah, a book, uh, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Mm-hmm. Um, and Allie and I want to have a conversation about horror games. And who who the hell else better to have on here oh but somebody God. who ran a horror game for us? Yeah. And, and where are and, we gonna find one of those? Oh fuck! It's I me. don't know. It's <laughs> me. It's yeah. Me. Um. But but actually, before we get into that, because Ben, you you had a great idea for for a little little pre-topic there. Mm-hmm. There's a Magic the Gathering set coming out. Yes, there and is. And before I before I came out, I'm like, by the way, like Trevor, <laughs> do you guys play just you know throwing it out there? Are you do you, this have is you played great the for magic a, for an audio podcast? But Ben, as you can see, I uh, I play a little bit of Magic <laughs> oh, the God, Gathering those, back I in the day. I see the boxes. <laughs> <laughs> 
he yeah. tilted the camera up to show the boxes and tilted yeah. it back down. Boxes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there's a couple of cards that uh, are spoiled, and I figured like this was a good time because we haven't talked about this at all, not even when it was announced. Um, and I'm sure we talk about more when it comes out. But what what are y'all thinking so far about the set? I like it. Oh I like yeah. It a lot. Oh my <laughs> god. I'm really excited about it because so far what I've seen just it's not necessarily bringing in you know new fancy things to D and like to, to magic at all like yeah. how some sets do it like uh, Strixhaven is all like oh yeah there's learn and, and like lessons now I think this is just like straight up here's a really cool themed set <laughs> mm-hmm. and I am here for it because they already kind of did the whole like oh yeah, gather an adventuring party like a couple years back. Yeah. And it was D&D, but totally wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually interested if they were doing the adventuring mechanic like beforehand as kind of a precursor, like, oh, maybe they can sync up some cards like that work in it. And I don't know if that was the actual answer, but it's at first I was thinking like, oh yeah, they're working some D&D stuff, but now we get the actual official D&D set mm-hmm. coming out. It, yes. it, it is weird that like this hasn't happened before or like they've been like you know iffy about i'm like you own both of them (laughs) yeah Yeah. we've had a ravnica book for how we had a theros book i mean come on oh (laughs) actually funny thing is that there was i think peter atkins the the guy who owns wizards of the coast he um so he was doing an interview and this story he was a huge fan of dungeons dragons and he designed or Magic was designed as a game that you played before Dungeons and Dragons because it used a D20 and it's like it's short. So you oh bring a God. deck to a D&D game because everyone wow. played D&D. And yeah. the thing was, is that it became so popular that it was taking over a bunch of table spaces. And he was just <laughs> absolutely blown away when his company purchased D&D because he owned Wizards of the Coast when his company yeah. purchased D&D. And he was immediately like, we got to do something. We got to sync up. But they could never get... <laughs> the two sides of the company to work together because they are like, oh, hey, magic people, do you want to have all these D&D people come over here and tell you how to make magic cards? And they're like, no. And then <laughs> they said, hey, D&D people, do you want a bunch of magic players to come in and like tell you how to make D&D? And they're like, no. And so they could never get those two sides of the company to like oh, work together. And I don't know what what exactly happened with the Fortune or something, but basically now we've finally gotten the, the set. <laughs> And he, he's talking about how he's like, oh, I was really happy. I was waiting for this for, like, decades. <laughs> and, you know, from the look of it so far, it, it's going to be worth the wait. Like, oh, yeah. Like, I, I've been I've been out of the Magic game for a bit now because uh, there a lot of things. I wasn't quite happy with the way that the game was. And also, like, my wallet wasn't happy with the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I... I, I Stopped by him, except for like a commander deck here and there. Because I mean, come on, it's I know it's very fun. It's good, fun to look through. Yeah. Um, but this one, yeah, no, I've I've already told my wife I'm buying a box. I'm probably gonna buy more than a box, just as a heads up. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we already have a budget set aside for this set. It's <laughs> I mean, j- the, the what they've spoiled so far online, like it looks like they're gonna have not just like you know the 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 borderless frames, but they're also gonna yeah. have like a rulebook showcase frame which is like yeah. the old school just sketched look of like 3.5 D D. like it's mm-hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna want to get a lot of boxes get a lot of those fancy boosters too maybe 
I already pre-ordered one of those fancy boosters. But yeah, the, but like, see, that's the thing though is like, I pre-ordered one of those fancy boosters. But it, honestly, it's the several variations of a card, and they're in incrementally rarer. I'm just like, I, I don't know. That's no, don't please don't do this. Please. I'm, <laughs> I'm happy for it because that's an excuse for me to talk about magic and D and D on my channel. Because yeah. when I was talking about magic, it's like, oh, like some people are interested in that. But I'm like, no, here it's like, look, uh -huh. it's magic. It's, it's oh, relevant. Is, see, uh -huh. this is this is uh, you know, these are famous characters. That's Driss mm -hmm. Durden. You've heard of him. He's he's a D and D guy. This is him on a card. That's a he's face. a D and D guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, who's that? Who's that D and D guy? You know, the one with the with the ears and the cat. <laughs> Funny thing, I think most people would be able to figure that out from that reference. Like he's dude with the cat and ears. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, let, let, let's let's take a look at some of these spoilers, and and, and I'm on my, my old standby site of mythicspoilers.com because that's just where I went to drool over sets back in the day. <laughs> um, and uh, three of these got spoiled today. Uh, of recording, which is the day before you'll listen to this tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> Loth the Spider Queen is a planeswalker. Yeah, I've got opinions. Weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, this was a set where I'm like, I, okay, so we're not gonna have planeswalkers, or if we do, it's gonna be like the normal planeswalkers with maybe D and D characters in the background. But they're like, nope, it's a god, and she's a planeswalker, and I'm like, yeah. Like that concept, like okay, <laughs> I, I was I was literally just talking to to our buddy Marcos earlier about this today, and he's like, I was really hoping it was gonna be like Mordekainen and friends, you know, the literal planeswalkers. Oh yeah. And I was all for that because Mordekainen's a very classic character, and who has there's a whole book about him going through all the different planes, and mm -hmm. uh, then we're like, ah, but how about this uh, Spider Queen? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, okay, she's like probably the god that's like the most just interwoven within the 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 natural world on top top side, you know, mm -hmm. and also on her realm. I'm like, sure. I mean, I guess if you want to count that as planeswalking. And then uh, Marcos was like, I'm just upset that Tiamat. I mean, if she's a planeswalker because she's a god, Tiamat's a god. Why ain't she a planeswalker? And, mm -hmm. and Spencer very lo lovingly pointed out, because she's trapped in the nine hells, Marcos. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> yeah, because it's like the second I was, oh, we were looking over some of the lore, we're starting to like nitpick some of the stuff where it's like, oh, couldn't this be a, have been like that? Like, I remember Marcos was raging because he was like, er. Some people were not happy because Power Word Kill is a two mana spell. Which, when uh, you think what? about it, Power Word Kill in Magic. Oh my like, god, it is! Killing a creature is really, really easy in Magic. Yeah, I mean, like, no, it's. <laughs> that spell has literally been done before, where it's just like it's too, too black, and then you get Destroy Target Creature that's non black. And then you also have Murder, which is, I think, three, and it's just Destroy any creature this, I, this, I this like has think, the weirdest caveat because it's like destroy target non-angel non-demon non-devil non-dragon creature very specific and <laughs> very i specific i'd like to think that there's some planeswalker that like just comes into the magic world and it's like ah, oh, i have the power power word kill i can kill a creature it's like oh yeah we could do that too like just every every farmer it's a cantrip like you're not well, you're not you Lily on. She's like, I got like four of those in my library. Like, <laughs> you're not special. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, so so Lothes of Planeswalker. Okay, I mean, 
I'm interested. I, if they do a Mordekainen card and he's not a Planeswalker, I will rage. I still will buy the set, but I will rage. I will get the nerd rage going. I, um, I would I would also like to imagine a reverse set where they make an entire D&D player's handbook based on Magic the Gathering. And so obviously, Power Word Kill got to be a cantrip, you know, just terror, stuff like that. Summon Angel, well, I, that's like higher I level. I remember listening to something when Ravnica was coming out and someone was like, are we gonna get rules for planeswalkers? They're like, God, no, no, no. We're not. We're not dicking with that. No, <laughs> that, no. We're not trying to put rules to that. Uh, but I, 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 I want them to, but I doubt they will. Um, but we also got uh, Dristuarden, who is a five cost with uh, a forest and plains. It's a legendary creature, elf ranger, and I and I love this. I love. This. He's got double strike because, of course, he does. Yeah. And then as soon as he enters the field, you summon a 4-1 uh, Guinevere legendary cat creature. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. I, I absolutely love that. And then, and then his secondary ability is kind of what makes him beefy in this whole concept. Mm-hmm. Funny, though, uh, because it's white-green, but there's a very key part of this. It says whenever a creature dies, if it had power greater than Drist power, put a number of 1-1 counters on it equal to the difference. So it's not just when one of your creatures dies, it's a creature dies. Hey, mm-hmm. did you just power word kill like a big old worm that was an 8-8? Eight, eight? Cool. Drist now gets five five counters on him. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, cool. That's great. So it's like I can just see that going crazy good with green white, because you could you can you can do so much with that. You could proliferate. Could, mm-hmm. There's so many counterplays with white, and it's like I'm excited for it. Just dressed in general. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. green, green white is this is the deck I know I should be running, but I don't because I'm stubborn and want to run blue, but I'm not d- smart enough to do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Brunor Battlehammer is a four cost uh, mountain and plains legendary creature dwarf warrior. Uh, what's this one? Each creature you control gets a plus two, plus zero for each equipment attached to it, and you may pay zero rather than pay the equipped cost of the first equipment ability you activate I, each turn. I run so many goddamn Boros decks. I run. I love <sighs> equipment decks to death. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, the, I'm definitely making this guy into a deck. Well, I, I immediately thought of uh, the the uh, was there is a Geomancer, the 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 Chick Planeswalker that can just make. <laughs> equipments and attach it to people like oh, yeah. i love her yeah yeah i mean and between the two of these guys brunor and drist it's like drist would be nice like as a four card and an actual Lithal standard Lancer. deck but brunor would be great as a commander <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh yeah because oh my oh, god for- oh my god i forgot about commander equipment oh, can no. be so cheap too and so you just throw them on the board and brunor is just like yeah you can throw this like plus zero plus five zero cost shield onto the field that costs three to equip nah it's free to equip and they get plus two plus five now because of brunor's out (laughs) so good um and then the card that it was the first card that i saw spoiled and i'm like well i'm in and that's tiamat yeah yeah tiamat the 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 dark lady herself (laughs) there's another commander for you yeah well but here's the thing seven cost two colorless and then plains, island, swamp, mountain, forest. Uh, legendary creature, Dragon Gad, 
uh, flying when Tiamat enters the battlefield. If you cast it, search your library for up to five dragon cards not named Tiamat that have different names. Reveal them and put them into your hand and then shuffle. Yeah. I'm it's okay really with that cool. Cost. It's you're so you're diving for five dragons, and you yeah. can game end with those five dragons. By the way, yeah. Like if you if you play it just right, <laughs> you can really fuck over someone's day. Like, <laughs> yeah. like like first one you want to pull would be like, what was the guy's name? Morpheon, the changeling legendary dude, who's all mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm anything, oh, and yeah, then. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but you choose a creature type, and then those creature types cost white, blue, black, red, and green less to cast. Mm-hmm. And you're like, cool. Well, now what? And then you just bring out every other multicolored dragon for basically free that you just pulled in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Um, gosh, 772. Oh, my God. What, what, is, what is the... I always love the flavor text. I love a flavor mm-hmm. text on, on a card. My children will rule over all. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> if you want to see another uh, thing. So they have portable hole. It says they fall Don't, for it no. every time. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I know. Hilariously, uh, we were talking in our group about how they were, we were, we were sad that the portable hole in the Magic the Gathering f- like concept isn't how we actually use the portable hole in D&D. Yeah, because it's a trap in <laughs> yeah. the way that it's it's like, oh, right. you, you get a 2CMC thing and you trap it in the portable hole. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Exile non-land permanent and opponent control. Why aren't there bodies and less. gold and also other items in the portable hole? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's an acme hole. Just, you know, why can't you just like <laughs> flicker exile some like equipment or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I want I want another card. I, it'd be like an old Yu-Gi-Oh fusion card. I want one that uh, just says pl- uh, Plan Z, and it says you must have portable hole and bag of holding on the field at the same time, and you just end <laughs> the game because you just throw them into each other. <laughs> so I, I have a proxy, which is a a, uh, a Yu-Gi-Oh version, but it's a trap or it's a trap card counter spell. So it's it's the <laughs> counter spell, but done as a trap card. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so freaking good. Um, and then and then possibly the most ridiculous card so far, Vorpal Sword. Yes, <laughs> yes. This is a uh, this is an artifact equipment uh, for one swamp. Um, each, an equipped creature gets plus two plus zero and has Death Touch, which is I mean cool enough as it is. But then you pay eight, three of which are swamp. Until the end of the turn, Vorpal Sword gains whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player. That player loses the game. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best way to handle that kind of spell. It's yeah. so ridiculous. Like yeah. I, I love how like even in the in like the D and D rules, it's like you have to roll a crit to do it. And magic is like, yeah, but what if you didn't? <laughs> <laughs> and like again in commander, eight mana that happens by like turn six or seven. You can totally do that. <laughs> I will say, if people know that you have a Vorpal sword in your deck. Like, they're definitely going to be like, oh, who should I kill? And then, like, look to you. (laughs) (laughs) The the jerk who's running a horrible sword in your deck. Yeah, we already target Spencer because he just has the sword that is equal to the amount of lands that it deals in damage. Oh, yeah, yeah, Black Blade or something. Yeah, yeah, if he had the Vorpal Sword, no, we'd 100% get him out faster. (laughs) Sorry, honey, but that's just the truth. (laughs) 
Like, sorry, honey. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Uh, yeah, then we got we got power word kill, which I'm still, I I, I oh, why? Good God. Um, but the I really like this card. It's just prosperous innkeeper. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's like a little half. Yeah, it's a creature halfling citizen. Cost two mana, one of which is forest. When prosperous innkeeper enters the battlefield. Uh, create a treasure token, and I can't quite remember what it is, but it's it's a it's an artifact with tap. Sacrifice this uh, artifact. Add one mana of any color. Okay, uh, I yep. I forgot what treasure did. Um, when another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life. I just it's I like it. It's mm-hmm. cute. <laughs> it totally fits every bit of flavor of that card too, because mm-hmm. it's like he he gives you energy and he also gives you life. <laughs> going into that and it's oh yeah yeah, yeah. Ben, ben just sent the counter spell i did yeah oh my God. i spent an inordinate amount of time <laughs> <laughs> so we, we got i we got to tweet that out tomorrow that's so freaking good <laughs> um but yeah no that this so that, that that's all the, the spoilers we got besides the the lands which have some very you know faerun looking stuff oh, on it the text they have flavor text on all oh, the they lands do? they do ooh, oh my god let me let me go full on yeah like, yeah D&D yeah, yeah. narrator here. So for yeah, planes, venturing beneath the desert sands, you've discovered an alien power pulsing with inconceivable energy. And it's in second ten, second person. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. And then island. Alarmed by the news you brought, the storm giant king of the maelstrom has called his <gasps> kin to council. Which is fantastic. because I, I didn't realize that, that was maelstrom. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. There's, forest which is before the elf queen will aid you you must find a way to cure the strange rot afflicting the roots of the ancient trees oh my god there's mountain as you make camp near the ancient ruin you hear the sound of drums echoing in halls where no dwarf has lived in generations oh that is giving me flashbacks for a couple (laughs) weeks ago oh god and then the last one swamp you expected to meet hostile drow in this ancient ruin but they fled long ago what darkness could have driven them out? Nope, drow. Not having that. Done with it. Nope, adventure's <laughs> over. We're done. <laughs> Those like, are fantastic. Yeah, the artwork is beautiful. And yeah, Maelstrom just straight up in the middle of island there. It's gorgeous. Oh my god. There's also <sighs> one last thing that they had. Uh, so far, they have spoiled is the Beholder art. What? Yeah. Um, it looks really cool. You got the really classic, like, um, the rulebook showcase featured one, which is like that oh, old s- sketchbook look it. one. And I, then it looks like it's going to be a black mana card, too. I That's I also cool. notice what's crazy is this is the only one where it's like we don't want to spoil the text on the card. Yeah. Because I think that's interesting is they spoil all the other ones. They show the images, show everything. This is the one card. It's like, we cannot show you the text on it. <laughs> so I, I actually, I, I got a good question um, for, for both of you. Um, what, what do, what is a, what is one hopeful card you have? And what, like, like an ability or something like that? Like, what is one thing that you're hoping is in this set? Hmm. Because I, I, I can tell you what mine is, and, it's, and it is that Beholder card. I want the ability to be, you roll a die, and that's what happens. Oh, I want yeah, it to be yeah, that would be just awesome. like the monster stat block where I don't control what it does. The Beholder's too smart for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would love if that's what that card was like. 
And it's just completely overpowered. That's probably why it's not shown right now. It's because they're like, we don't want to spoil it because that's like our big kahuna. <laughs> big kahuna. You got to roll a D8, which who has a D8 who's not a D&D player? And <laughs> you got to figure out what this card is going to do in the next turn. <laughs> I love that. But now, you guys got any ideas of stuff that you'd want? Okay. So, so... All right. What is one card? <laughs> Actually, I was looking up a card which I think already exists called Usuri, where mm-hmm. you pick a number between one to five, and then you flip that many coins. For every flip you win, you draw a card, and for each you lose, you deal two damage. Yeah. And if you win oh, wow. five flips this way, you can cast spells from your hand without paying their mana cost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I, I'm... I would love some unhinged stuff like that in this set where they just go they go bonkers on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think they should because that's kind of like half the spirit of D&D, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I was going to kind of go a little meta and be like, I would love to see like a quote Planeswalker card where it's like a player. <laughs> oh my god. Like the DM. Yes. Like the classic, you know just how- Just put Perkins on a card. Yeah. <laughs> like the dm and it's like they they get to do stuff and it, that would be really neat but also i would love to see like all the legendary creatures i like this set mm, i want to be as full of legendary creatures as dominaria was i i think i i think there's a lot of spells from the spell book that i want to see which are like oh, fireball yeah. teleport um you know Oh God! What are oh dimension door? But it's just an unsummon, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Dimension door yeah. gets someone out of here. Yeah, or something like, like that. Perfect flicker spell. Like you got misty step, which could totally do something random. Like make him oh, unblockable man. for this turn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's such a good idea. I love that. Mm-hmm. Or even if they had an artifact that was like they had four artifacts, and each one is a different wizard spell book, and they let you do a spell from it with the, when you equip it to like a wizard type or something oh like yeah that. let you like cast spells from it or something like that yeah, or, yeah. it's like pay to uh tap uh flicker or something like that like that yeah. that would be pretty cool i just i just thought of a card i really kind of want to see but i doubt will ever happen <laughs> what uh a blue tutor called wish oh a blue tutor? oh nice nice yeah oh dang it'd be like nine mana because it's a ninth level spell slot and (laughs) but the thing is is that you'd be able to look for any spell or like any card in your deck and you'd be able to cast it without paying its mana cost yeah Mm. that would be cool oh oh my god yeah just like you you pull an instant or sorcery and just immediately comes on the board or caster yeah you get to look for the card in your deck and you just play it (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) imagine there's Imagine there's a Taras card, and then you cast Wish to just instantly pull it onto the field. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that has there has to be a Taras. Yeah, there, Taras. Yeah, there's gotta be Lich. Um, I'm trying to think what other classics. Just, just um, imagine though, like the the Taras. It's gotta be a legendary creature. Somebody builds a freaking commander uh, deck with a Taras. <laughs> uh, I know, I know. Courtney's gonna be murdering some people if there is not an owl there. Oh yeah, yeah. Come on. <laughs> or at least Albert tokens. Yeah. Well, see, yeah, that was the thing I forgot to mention. The 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 the, the Guinevere uh, cat token. There is actually going to be a special token for her. Oh yeah, just like so we uh, need we need Mo an owl bear that has 
Yeah, yeah. There's got to be a. There's got to be an owlbear, and I want owlbear cub tokens. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god! It would be so cool it, if they just did legendary creatures for all like the the book people. Yeah. Like if you had Valendra. Yeah, like if you had Auril, right? Yeah. That was her name. Yeah, like legendary big ass god of winter. <laughs> just because they I don't, get lost I, in there. I don't think they're gonna make enough cards to satisfy me. They need to do another set. That's all I'm saying right now. I know they need oh. this like a three for. <laughs> so I'm looking up popular. I'm looking up. Popular D&D monsters, Mind Flayers, are one. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's got to be. Got to be. Uh, That'd be see. fun to do, like, a pay a mana cost, and it's, like, ability is to take over a target creature for a turn. Oh, God, that old freaking Soren move. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Good times. <laughs> Mimics. Uh, Mimics. <gasps> Change That would be the only time I'd be okay with morph. <laughs> I have the same problem with Morph too. It sucks so bad. Uh, yes. I hate it. It's I hate so it terrible. So I like. I remember explaining to someone because they're like, "What's Morph?" I went, "Well, I feel like somebody at the the Magic R and D was like, listen, 'Listen, I'm really mad about this Yu-Gi-Oh game.' <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it came out way before. I I think the idea of like, oh, you put a monster down, it's a 2-2 and you can attack with it. Like, it's such a cool idea. But the yeah. problem is it's like when you flip it over, you're sacking a creature, basically. You're losing a 2-2 yeah. and getting this thing. And the effects were so bad. It was mm -hmm. always yeah. like there was a few that's like, oh, it's kind of decent. But it was like the vast majority was like, oh, you flip it over. They always had like some one time like you hit the opponent and then you do some other effects, yeah. but like you you have to leave your mana open to like flip it and you're losing. It, it never yeah. like I, I I hate to like bring up Yu-Gi-Oh. I mean I did, I played it in high school shit low, but like the the thing is like it morph never gave me that moment of like flipping over a labyrinth wall and literally just stonewalling someone. <clears throat> I and no. be like. Ha, you can't get them. I, it's like, I think congrats. It, I now have a 3-2 creature. That's a little bit better than the 2-2 creature I had. Yeah. Nope. The other problem is that you your entire deck had, had to have a ton of morph creatures. Otherwise, the opponents yeah. immediately knew what was in what it was. Like, yeah. <laughs> a morph card only works if you've got, like, 10 other things. And sometimes yes. I'd run, like, three morph cards, but I'd put one down, and they're like, oh, Ben only want there's only two morph cards he actually wants to put in morph and it's this one or this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's my only gripe with like magic is for a hot minute there they were only doing like, ooh here's this ability thing and keyword that is really only specific to itself. Like mm -hmm. you can do morph deck sure, but you can't put morph cards in like a regular deck. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I remember the funniest one was I remember I had this goblin that like would morph and then if you if it dealt combat damage to a player you could deal two damage to one of their creatures but it was funny because it'd be like if they have a creature I want to deal damage with to it would they just block with it so it'd have mm -hmm. to be like I somehow attack with a creature bait them into not blocking hit them then flip it over, then kill that creature. It was so specific. That's way too many steps. That's it's never going to happen. Uh, but before before we sw switch over to the our, our, our horror topic, I did realize one other card. I want a Masked Lords of Waterdeep card that is essentially the Orzov cancel in a different color so I can piss people off with another deck. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. Extort, um, but it's red. Yes! Oh, yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Um, so, uh, horror games. 
Mm. Uh, yeah. Slight, slightly different topic. <laughs> a little bit. But, uh, yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft came out. I don't know if you both have had a chance to read through it. I did, I yeah. Uh, barely. <laughs> barely, yeah. Uh, it's real good. I like it a yeah. lot. It, mm-hmm. it, it, it's got a lot of good stuff in here. And it's, it's amazing me the ways that they're – it almost feels like they're teaching people to do a horror game. Yeah, because they they have like the genres of horror and then each domain of dread has like what genres could be run there mm-hmm. easily. Yeah, it's like there's multiple sections of the book and it's like, oh, you have the end bestiary thing. But then you also have like, oh, there's a DM section on on setting the mood and yeah. stuff. And then there's another like setting in setting specific information on Ravenloft. And then there's an initial part on like the genre and like general stuff about it. Yeah. No, I think they approach this brilliantly because one of like the most commonly asked things on like, uh, you know, chat, I don't I want to say chat rooms, uh, you know, <laughs> place to uh, When you were Come surfing on, the go. web, yeah. what did yeah, you, you know, When you're surfing the red, this is like one of the most things asked. Um, it's like people ask, well, how do I do like an evil campaign? Like, how do I do like a scary campaign? How do I do things that are more than just the books that I have behind me? Like, mm-hmm. I want to do more than just your average adventurer party goes out and wins the day. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Wizards was finally like, well, you know, I guess we can answer that. Yeah. <laughs> Instead I, of just saying, you could make up your own world. How cool would that be? They were like, no, yeah. what if we actually answered that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plus, it's plus it's also like Curse of Strahd. It was like one of the most popular modules mm-hmm. that I think they released. And so I, I think they could kind of tell like, oh, we probably need to do a follow up to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like the thing with Curse of Strahd, though, is that I, I try to put emphasis that it's it's a mystery campaign more so than Mm -hmm. a horror campaign there are horror elements to it sure but overall the reason why people loved curse of strahd so much was because they were so enticed to figure out the mystery and to solve it and to get out versus they loved it because it was scary yeah (laughs) that was actually you can go whereas like this book is building it up so that way you can build a scary campaign and people would actually want to play it for that as opposed Mm -hmm. to just solving the mystery that, that was actually one of the, the things that I, I was like when I was writing down my notes of like, oh, what do I want to talk about? It's like the fact, the difference between horror genre and like horror tropes and stuff. And you could do something which has ghosts and there's a serial killer on the loose and it's a yeah. uh, and it's a slapstick comedy, you know, kind of a thing <laughs> like ghosts and demons and stuff like that are um, those are things that are in the setting. But like what makes the emblemonic of the genre is it's fear and it's scary mm-hmm. and it's it's the emotion that you're trying to get out of people if you want people to be laughing all the way through it you know that's that's comedic or if you want someone to feel like ooh, it's exciting or something like that like and that's like action adventure so depending on what you just because you're using the tropes from it doesn't necessarily mean that it's that specific genre mm-hmm. yeah you're now making me think of doing a campaign where it's jack the ripper but as solved by the naked gun yeah, <laughs> like, I definitely know there was like the young Frankenstein that movie came out yeah. and that uses Frankenstein you've got like the monster and it's got like Frankenstein it's, it's got the horror <laughs> tropes but it's a comedy mm-hmm. yeah yeah no, I um, mean that reminds me of because I've been watching a walkthrough of Resident Evil 8 recently mm-hmm. and the whole thing it, there's there's a clear difference between suspense and horror mm-hmm. in that game 
and like no spoilers but after you take down the first boss up until that point it was all just a I'm kind of worried that I'm going to die, but aside from that, I'm not really that worried. And then as soon as you get into that next boss, you're like, oh, this is the horror game. (laughs) Oh, I forgot this was a scary game. And it's like, (laughs) it took like two hours of gameplay to get into the scary part of it. Mm -hmm. And it's because they're sure there's tall vampire ladies. There's scary zombie (laughs) werewolf dudes. And there's, like, spooky Castle in the Mists. But that doesn't mean that it's scary, necessarily. Especially when you can just knife dance around a guy. But... That's beside the point. <laughs> but but that that actually that that leads me into the the main reason I wanted to to do this topic is this book aside because it does I do think it has a lot of good stuff and I, th- I think we should dive more into it in a later episode. But like, what is it that you two do to make a game scary or when you want to run a horror game? Like, what is your go to things to try and get that across at the table? Mm. Uh, do you want to mm. start? Uh, sure. Um, I'll, I'll, let let me put in a little preface here because I had this realization today when I suddenly remembered what topic we were going to talk about. (laughs) Um, I've personally never actually been frightened or scared at a tabletop role-playing game table. Okay. Um, I, I pretty much slightly same. (laughs) Yeah. Like there's been points when I've been worried for my character that they're going to die. But beyond mm-hmm. that worry and beyond the suspense of, ooh, this is a tough spot, I've never been, like, actively afraid. Whereas, like, in other mediums, I that is easily attainable because I'm a weenie baby when it comes to that kind of stuff. <laughs> like, I get scared watching people do playthroughs of games. Like, that's how I am. <laughs> but when it comes to, like, sitting down at a table and, like, role-playing, like, I, I, I'm not personally scared, which is probably why it lends myself why i often pick brave quote characters because i can't like mm-hmm. put myself in that mindset okay with that in mind i try my best <laughs> <laughs> um it's really i think it's like one of the toughest things to do as a dm is to try to set the atmosphere to be scary mm-hmm. especially when the majority of groups find comedy in D games Mm-hmm. I say the majority because, like, to be honest, I that's consensus across the board. Every group I see, they're all like, oh, yeah, there's comedy, there's jokes every now and then. Even if you're a very serious group, they're, they still relish the comedy parts. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to set that setting. And I've only been able to, like, do it once where, like, I've seen my players, like, hushed. And they're, like, literally on the edge, like, looking at me. And then at the end, I remember Robert going... Allie, that was actually kind of um, that was actually kind of scary. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. oh I'm sorry. <laughs> and like the thing is, like, I kind of felt bad because like I don't, I don't want to bring fear to my table usually. <laughs> oh crap! I'm gonna have a very different conversation when it's my turn. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but this is just how I am as a DM, and so it's like when I do make my players actually afraid of something, I'm like. Maybe I'm not doing this right. And so I always pull back. I don't, I pull my punches a lot when it comes to fear mm. and horror. And uh, I think it goes beyond of like what I'm looking for in my games and what I personally can get out of it. Because like for me, I want my players to be afraid of Valindra, but I'd rather them respect her power more than just fear her. Mm. Okay. 
Okay. So I try to play her differently than just, I'm scary. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I want her, I want you to believe that she can power word kill you, but she just chooses not to because there's a more appropriate time later. Mm-hmm. So it's like, that's, that's kind of where I am at with this whole discussion. It's like, I, 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 I know I'm capable, but I tend not to go there. I get that. Yeah. I get that. But but before, Ben, before you go, I'm going to inflate your ego a little bit. Because mm-hmm. there's three times I've been scared at a table. One, literally any time a giant spider is there. It doesn't oh, fucking God. matter. I always think I'm fine. Blanket and I, and, and it, get, it, it gets to like three descriptions, and I'm like, I'm not fine. I'm not fine. I'm not fine. <laughs> as soon as there's just like the legs come over, I'm like, nope, 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 nope. You guys can handle this combat on your own. Peace. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- there's the two other times I've been scared was in your freaking game that you ran for us <laughs> for this show. And spoilers for our own actual play. If you haven't listened to it, stop this now. Go back and listen. Think back. Um, yeah, no. When when uh the the fucking first encounter with the zombie. Mm-hmm. Like it was like I shot it twice, and you're like it doesn't even fucking flinch. I I had two <laughs> thoughts going at the same time. One, the player of me going, ah! <laughs> and then the the podcast producer of me. I'm like Ben. There's still like three hours left to go in this one. Are you really gonna murk us right fucking now? <laughs> <laughs> but but then but then at the fucking end when when you had like the fucking monster coming down on me and hunting me i was like i'm legit fucking scared right now this is awesome (laughs) thanks yeah no i mean like if there's been someone who's who's really good at running the horror and setting the atmosphere because like i mentioned like setting the atmosphere is like the hardest thing to do because so often we push against that atmosphere as a player ben is really good at pulling us right back in oh yeah so 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 ben what 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 do you got what do you do um, I think, uh, so talking about that, I think it's like part of horror is like kind of subversion. Like you have to kind of like, oh, everyone's expectations are going in certain, a certain direction and then you go a different way or there's something mm-hmm. like unsettling, like something off about it. Uh, so like, for example, let's say that there's a traditional scenario where it's like, it's late at night, you know, you're in your bed or something like that. And you hear there's a knock at the door mm-hmm. and you go there and you open it. And there's no one there. And so you close it. And you go back to bed. And then you hear a creak. And you go and you see that the front door is open. Oh. And there's a breeze coming in. And you just kind of close it. And you're like looking around and you don't see anyone. And that is a totally normal like horror scenario to happen. But it's because it's like the fear of the unknown. It's kind of unsettling because it's like there was supposed to be someone there, but there isn't. And it's late at night and you're alone. And then the other thing is like, in, in Call of Cthulhu, it's a little bit easier to make the setting because you're just a normal guy. But in, in D&D, one of the problems is like, people know that magic exists. So it's like, oh, it's like, <laughs> detect person. Like, is there anyone here? And it's like, because, yeah. because there's a lot of magic, like you have explanations for it. So you have to go even deeper to like, subvert stuff where it's like you detect Mm -hmm. magic but like nothing happens it's like okay i cast see invisibility it's all right (laughs) you don't see like (laughs) and it was interesting also because in the horror section they were talking about curses because i one of the things i'm not as big of a fan of is 
like in D and D, if someone's cursed, you can just kind of prep, like, oh, we disturb the tomb, and you just kind of yeah. remove curse. They actually go into detail at the end of Van Richten's guide on curses that there's different kinds of curses. There's the mm. kind there's the kind that you get that's like a spell that you just kind of wave your hand and it's gone. But then there's other kinds, which is like, oh, you disturbed this mummy's tomb and you are now cursed to wander this land or something like that until mm. you make amends. And casting or remove curse just kind of dampens the effects. Because mm-hmm. it's like when you think about it like, oh, Strahd is cursed to be in this land. It's like, well, couldn't we just like... him once in the head like remove curse and it's like no no it's it's there was a there was a conversation uh uh todd kenrick's videos recently uh he did uh he and his wife did a a whole episode about the the loop guru and uh which is like the beefed up werewolf and how like i mean even even in our curse of strahd game um uh spencer got bit by a werewolf and then like literally like I think two sessions later, there was a level up, and Allie's like, "Oh, remove curse." It was literally that exact same session. Yeah, and, and I and I and like I, I I handled it like a champ, but I was like, oh, I had some really cool things I had planned for that. <laughs> like Spencer and I had even talked about it behind the scenes. Like, uh, <laughs> dragged him out of the same place where he got bit, and we're like, "Uh uh-uh. uh," and you're uh-uh. like, "Okay, we're gonna level up." I'm like, "Cool." We come back. I'm gonna dispel curse him. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but now with the with the Lugaru, you cannot remove curse. You have to kill the Lugaru that turned them into a werewolf. Which and is great. I absolutely love that. And then immediately thought of the Futurama episode where Bender turns into a werecar. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah. like things that move the plot forward in that kind of fun way is a great thing. Whereas like yeah. things that can just be remedied by a bonk on the head, it's like, oh, well, okay, that yeah. was a thing. I- I think that there, there's also there's two mixtures of this. One is that you kind of want it to be a little bit more investigative with horror of like, okay, we got to figure out how this thing works. Yeah. And so if someone gets bitten by a werewolf, you're totally, I think if you're running a horror game, you're totally within the right to kind of like change how that works a little bit where it's like, oh, this thing that you thought was going to work isn't going to work, but instead mm-hmm. this other thing that you need to do or um, kind of subvert like how ghosts work or demons possession where it's yeah. like, oh, they only they only show up on a blue moon or something like that or um, I don't know, it's like a character is just staring at a wall and hey what what's up and then they what they just come to and but they go back to that same wall again and they just mm-hmm. they're just staring at the same wall or something and it's it's like really weird like why would they do mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. i i genuinely think one of my favorite things i've ever done to someone that scared the crap out of them was they went to cast a spell and i said nothing happens <laughs> <laughs> and they're like what <laughs> yeah. um but no, like like Ali was saying with tone and stuff, like like even in the, the Thornblood manuscripts episodes, like we do laugh and we do have jokes and stuff. But like you do completely bring it, like you 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 almost have like a narrator voice for it, where like you do the laugh and then you're back in a narrator voice. <laughs> I I will say like when I'm running Call of Cthulhu, I have to like okay, this is I have to be the serious one here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I, I have to be the straight played, man of the comedy group. <laughs> every time we played, like there was this one character. It was it was actually more of a door, but where all they did was Wait, whisper. Did you say it was more of a door? Yeah, you know, as Cthulhu is. Um, it's it was a thing. 
we were in the dream world. We had to get out and there was this door and there was an amulet and we had to go up to the door and the door was telling us how to get out. And every time we would have to go there, the door would talk in a whisper. Hello there. And all of us, there it is. Great secrets that I tell you now. There are many who rise to those thoughts, but not all who have them. Dude, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> Every time. And like, I'm over here, the note taker, just furiously scribbling while looking up at him. Everyone's just like, edge of their seats trying to hear what he's saying. I know. It was always, it was funny because like I'd say something and then they're like, I did not. He, I heard like every other word. I'm like, okay. Because the concept is that he's a whisper on the wind. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, yeah. I actually, I, I even toned it down, but I even like, n- normally I even elongated it. Or I was like, there are <laughs> of them. Where he speaks really slowly. Yeah. Like yeah. he gets out an entire sentence in like, you know, over like a minute or something. And, and the players are just like, what did he say? Can I just do an idea <laughs> roll to figure out what he said? He said, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I just remember loving that because we'd come out of that and they'd be like, I didn't catch any of that. The person on the other side of the table, like, I, I, I could. And I'm like, hang on. I got notes because I was sitting right next to him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. The, the 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 first time that I did any I ran anything close to horror um was because it was around Halloween time for a fourth edition game first time you know we were playing during Halloween and I was like I want to do a scary session and so I was re- uh, I was like okay what what how what's scary to me Silent Hill uh <laughs> like instantaneous I was like okay I'm gonna do a Silent Hill game and uh, and very much what Ben was saying about subverting expectations. The session before that, we left off with them uh, in this elven palace, and they were going to get teleported to the Feywild by, uh, by someone reading the scroll, and it was all very bright and fabulous and everything. And then when we come back, they're all alone in fog. And every single one of them goes, what? <laughs> I'm like, you don't see anybody else at all. And then I ha- I literally because we 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 did a lot of um, uh, battle mats. Well, we did we did dungeon tiles back then. So I I had four uh, dungeon tiles set up separately and put their characters on them to visually show them they are not near each other. Yeah. And then I had each of them live out something of their backstory that was hell. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, then I just went full Silent Hill when they got all met up. I had Pyramid Head in there and everything. <laughs> but, like, I, I I did it as, like, oh, this is going to be cool, like, little Halloween thing. And, like, afterwards, my one of my friends looked at me and she was like, that was fucking terrifying. <laughs> like, Why did you do that? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was having fun. That, I just that, wanted to have fun. Yeah. And that's, and that's how it always ends up being for me is that I – I make something that I think is just cool and it has the theme of what I'm going for. And then I'm usually just standing there smiling, bouncing around, having a good time. And then afterwards, every time someone goes, why? (laughs) (laughs) Why did you do that? Yeah. (laughs) Like um, when I, I, I put xenomorphs in Starfinder. I was like, I I found a stat block for it on, on Reddit. I'm like, I'm like, I'm using it. And, and dusty, like, 
in the middle of the first encounter was like, hey, could you stop describing things, please? I would really appreciate it <laughs> if you stopped that. describing things. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I and I do think I think that is a big thing is description. Mm-hmm. And yeah, because I mean, Ben, dude, when you did the 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 like the boss at the end of that that um adventure well mm-hmm. adventure that that trauma uh like, <laughs> your description of it with the faces and the moving and like i mean you did like a 45 second description of that thing oh, and the whole time no one could see it except for y'all but i'm over just like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> yeah but it's and i definitely know like with with the details like sometimes you need to get a little bit detail on some of the gore and stuff because if you just say oh it's dead like you kind of need to describe like no it's like it's it's writhing on the ground and its body is split in two and it's like the blood is coming out and it's just it's gone like just a little bit more detail i think can kind of help to sell the realism and kind of get people invested like get that Mm -hmm. emotional reaction that you want of like oh this is a real place and i'm really here and someone just died (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I will say all, all of this talk, uh, just gently friend, gentle, friendly reminder, uh, check with your table, uh, make sure they're hard stops, make sure they're no goes, you know, whatever you want to call it. Yes, they're yes. lines and veils. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Uh, double check on those before you go into any kind of horror game. Um, oh yeah, uh, there was a there was a tweet today from Evil Hat Games. I saw that. Um, I saw that. Yeah. yeah, they 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 put out uh, a while ago a horror supplement a guide for fate and there was a box in there that said uh just because it's horror doesn't mean you have to be horrible and yeah. that is probably the best piece of advice i've ever heard when it comes to yeah. running a horror game it's yeah because the thing is like um as as gms and like in you know in kind of art medium you're giving someone experiences and it's easy to sell people on joy and happiness and ah uh, it's great but then you have also sadness and meaninglessness and hopelessness and stuff and horror is actually about making someone feel hopeless and there's a lot of times you're like oh we're gonna have a movie night tonight let's watch a horror (laughs) and there's always a few people myself included who are like no (laughs) no (laughs) no and and bow out and so it's it's completely uh, justifiable that you'd like oh i'm gonna be running a horror game and it's gonna make you feel hopeless and everything's gonna be worthless and all the players just going like why would we play that game because even when i ran curse of strahd like mm-hmm. there was definitely there was a lot of people like oh my god this is great wow yeah. amazing but there was always a few comments who were like why would you play this game why would you subject <laughs> yourself to a game mm-hmm. like hopelessness is something that i endure on a daily basis i don't need it in- <laughs> A game. I'm fine. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah, I, I had to bring that up because it's just like that, that. That was the one thing that I learned very quickly was I mentioned earlier, like the one time that I actually got a player to be like, Ali, I don't know about that," was because because of my uh, reading experience and because of the media that I choose to partake in, I'm really good at describing very terrible horrendous like barty horror kind of terror oh yeah like i'm really good at that and that's when i realized oh my friends do not want that so Mm -hmm. (laughs) like i very quickly realized i have to bring that notch 
way down a few notches down <laughs> yeah and for the sake of just like i could but i don't want to do that to my friends because they're my friends <laughs> yeah i i would almost say because there, there's a section uh before the domains like i said that it's like these are the types of horror like mm -hmm. uh, let's see they got they got uh what's the guy they got body horror cosmic horror uh dark fantasy folk horror ghost stories uh gothic horror like i'd almost say that like Give a list to Pete to your players and be like, "What are you cool with? What do you like? And what do you just don't care?" Because mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I would fucking cross out that body horror. Every Cronenberg can just go the fuck away. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, what, are you gonna say something? Ben? One of the other interesting things uh, is the ending, because a lot of times horror is about nihilism and like, mm. oh, it's all for nothing. And actually, what's interesting is a lot of times people will run like dark storylines, but there's a hopeful ending. You know, like you're going through Barovia, but you get out in the end or something like that. Or it's mm -hmm. like, oh, there's, there's this haunting and it's a bunch of kids that died, but we can save these ones or something like that. Mm -hmm. Whereas sometimes the theme of horror is like, oh, everything is worthless. Like no matter <laughs> what you did. And I could definitely see a lot of players playing a multi-month campaign and then getting to that end and thinking that there's going to be hope and then it mm -hmm. getting dashed and then being very, very upset about yeah. that oh yeah no a hundred percent like I, i'd almost say in that ask at session zero like hey if it goes bad like are you guys cool with like a not good ending oh my god mm -hmm. i just i think you just explained why i hated the death house <laughs> wow i didn't realize that was the reason why it was because hey these two kids are asking for your help so you go in and discover things and well there's nothing you can do it's I'm, just I'm, a lot of. I'm yeah. sure your boyfriend getting eaten by a fucking Dordan. <laughs> <laughs> but also, you just go in there, you know. It's just nothing good, great comes out of it, really. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you're leveled up, great. <laughs> cool. Because mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's you. You never have like one of those horror. You've never seen one of those horror movies where it's like, oh, everyone has a happy ever ending. You know, have happily ever after. You know, it's always like, you think you won, but you really didn't kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, there's always something. They're like, oh, yeah, the ending was great. But did you see the after after credits? Or so, did you know there's a sequel, The Descent? Yeah. I'm looking at you. Why did she have to go back in the cave? Oh, I heard that. She yeah. didn't have the to go back. The same fucking day. Yeah. The si Sorry, there, that's that's yeah. way off topic. Yeah, way yeah, off we'll, topic. We'll, we'll yell about that after. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I yeah. will say uh, also one other thing. Um, is that, and to that, I think that it, it, it might be more preferable. It really depends on people to ha use the horror themes, but then have like a kind of a neutral to happy ending, like, because mm. the players are so connected to the characters and the yeah. story and they're playing it for month after month, like, and you're developing a character. I think the way that D and D works, like it kind of prefers a little bit to have a more, optimistic view on the on the ending whereas yeah. i think you prefer shorter games like one to two session thing if everyone's gonna die at the end but like if it's if if it's like oh you play for six months and then nothing matters at the end like i i could see a bunch of players being like uh mm -hmm. you know whatever i think the, you well, can the, the... take the after after credit scene approach where it's like you do the epilogue you do everything out and everything is like settled but then you could be like ah but there's whispers on the wind that something is terrible mm. and it's like that also leads into maybe we can play again sometime friends and it's like yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's a fun way of doing it yeah 
I mean, I, I think that is one reason that I love doing my MCU-style thing where every game is in the same world. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of our Curse of Strahd game, y'all are like, well, what's going to happen with like the Strahd doll or the Ring of Winter? And I'm like, that's for my future players to find out and my Tomb of Annihilation players who currently have the Ring of Winter to find out. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> there was actually a moment a few months ago where the ring showed back up and I was literally, I had my phone ready to text Ike to be like, what's Damien do? <laughs> also, uh, so did I hear that right? That you gave your players the Ring of Winter, correct? Uh, so in in my Curse of Strahd game, I was running Curse of Strahd and uh, Tomb of Earth. Annihilation at the same time, and I had this weird harebrained idea that the Ring of Winter got made during the Curse of Strahd game uh, that was a prequel to the Tomb of Annihilation one by like a couple hundred years. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so in my canon... Uh, Ike's character, who turned evil and against the party's soul, is in the ring and why it's evil. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, because yeah. it's it's, but it's just side note because it's like I know I think in the Ring of Winter, like it almost never comes to the players. Like technically, according to the book, yeah. it's always Artis Ember who has it. And I yeah. looked at that, and I'm like, that should. The players should have that at least yeah, it, sometime. Like, yeah, oh no, oh, Frodo's no, it, off with the run ring. It's like, no, shut up. It's the well, because the, because the way it works is that the ring winner's got that 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 charisma save every day, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, eventually uh, Art December gave up the ring in my game, and then through a series of events, it ended up back in the players' hands, and one of my players popped it on. Thank God he was a fucking paladin. <laughs> and he he passed that saving throw with ease. <laughs> But nothing bad happened. It was all fine. But I had that phone ready. I was like, what terrible things are you going to do to these players? <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we, we actually got a couple of uh, questions that relating to, and by couple, I mean two. So literally a couple. Um, <laughs> and um, I, don't, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this game, but I did look it up. Uh, but this uh, this first question comes from uh, Zachary. Zachary asks, as an experienced GM, do you have any tools or tips for running a horror game as intense as Cult Divinity Lost? Um, it's an interesting looking game. You got a moment. You, you should Google that if you don't know it. Uh, I want to run a game and really get the lasting horror, but I know that there's a fine line between lasting horror and torturing your players, and I'm afraid that crossing that line and not realizing it until way too late. Wait, there's a difference? <laughs> <laughs> and, and see and, and that that's kind of the thing like I, I i definitely think the things that we've talked about so far with like talking to your players session zero and whatnot find out those those lines and veils um but also you know in a horror movie there are lull scenes there are scenes where like the demon isn't trying to murder someone the entire time so yeah. you, like giving them those moments to breathe and be fine and then you'll later subverting that um I think that is kind of the healthy way to do it. Uh, I did Google cult. Um, that is, it is a, is a, is a lot of, lot of bloody nasty I, stuff. <laughs> I assume it's a very dark game. Yeah. Horror. He, he's like, he's, he's probably asking, I, I haven't played it myself, but I assume it's like, how do you run a very serious dark game? Mm -hmm. And I, I think my tip is to keep it short. Um, yes. and, um, Try and keep, I, I would say, probably a lower power setting. Because once the players start having magic to kind of solve problems at a certain mm -hmm. higher level, it gets more and more difficult to, like, yeah. subvert expectations. I was, was going to mention that earlier. Um, 
Spencer said to me, oh, yeah, D&D, you can't really have jump scares, can you? I'm like, well, I tried, but then someone paused me, literally held up a finger and said, they can't actually. I have blind sense out to 10 feet. And I'm like, oh, you level 15 rogue. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, you know he's behind you. <laughs> but I, 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 re- I really think what Ben's saying there, the short game. Yeah. Because, like, you know, the, the, the Thornblood manuscripts lasted the perfect amount of time. And I know we had talked about, like, oh, what would our characters have done? But, like, if we had legitimately done a quote-unquote campaign with that, it would have felt, like, slightly disingenuous. Because I'm like, these people are fucked up now, man. Like, yeah. Big time. Yeah. But it's so doing the short ones, I think, is what can instill that lasting horror um, and, and keep you thinking about it. I think it's also like um, it gets harder and harder to do some of the jump scares later because the characters themselves are more familiar with the material, yeah. assuming that they survive. And so yeah. if a character like if you have the initial character where the door is open by itself, you want the character that just closes and goes back to bed. Like, that's kind of the character you want for a horror. You don't want the characters like, oh, God, is it a time traveler? Or is it a ghost? Where is it? Or is it one of those <laughs> invisible people? I got some powder of it's over here. Like, I can just kind of spray it. Like, once you get to that point, it becomes more of kind of an Indiana Jones thing where it's like, oh, there's magic. But, like, Indiana Jones knows that, like, supernatural stuff happens. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, that that is That is very true. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what's weird? I never really thought about that. That like Indiana Jones, like he he fucking the, especially like in Last Crusade, this motherfucker has seen some stuff. Yeah, he knows. Yeah. This yeah. is not a surprise. Yeah, <laughs> and he saw what happened when people did. Yeah, you know, I found out recently. There's a freaking deleted scene where someone tells like, by the way, don't look in that arc. That <laughs> stuff happens. And they were like, now nah, we can cut that. It's fine. It'll be no, fine. It'll, 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 it'll be fine. They'll see. Uh, a, a, a TV show freaking 25 years from now will make a big joke about it. Uh, <laughs> uh, the the other question, uh, well, uh, uh, Zachary, I hope, I hope we answer that for you. And the last thing, actually, the last thing I'm going to put in there is description. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know we said before, describing stuff is the most unsettling part. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one is from, <laughs> this is, hey, Willie D. Billiam here. That is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what creature do you feel is underutilized and what's a creative way to use that creature? Mine is the mini mimic variation from the D&D Beyond posted a year or two ago. Putting on a ring and it biting your finger off <laughs> really opened my eyes to a lot of possibilities. Thank you for the great show. Thank you. Funny thing is, I was going to say mimic because I was like, because that's like, <laughs> oh, that's like the, the, what is it? The Swiss army knife of like monsters where oh, yeah. it could be anything you know mm-hmm. that's why everyone loves mimics is because they could be a door they can be a building they can be a ring they can be a blanket yeah. they could be anything mimics can literally subvert the expected mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's it personally i uh love oozes because they have the ability to totally blend into the environment like your classic big ooze right it's straight up just gelatinous cube is like well it's clear so unless you see it (laughs) you might just walk into it or oh yeah there's kind of a gap there well what's in it oh nothing's down there you want to go see sure you jump into an ooze it's like there's so many possibilities and some oozes erode armor and weapons and make them worse and so like trying to escape a dungeon where all of a sudden 
the more you fight, the worse it gets. Not mm-hmm. just because you're using up resources, but because you're literally losing your weapons. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, that can get real scary real quick. Yeah. Um, I, uh, so one of, uh, so I have, I have two answers. The first answer is, uh, the one is the poltergeist because Mm. there you can excuse them for so much like, Oh, it's fog. You know, suddenly my bed's (laughs) in a different room, you know, there's writing on the wall and I didn't put it there, you know, possession, you could have it possess someone and then you can have a seance to like, get it out. Um, it doesn't have to be just like a slog fest. It could be like... How how are we gonna you know to to tempt this ghost? We need to find its doll, you know, and mm-hmm. then like bait it in front of it. And so there's a lot of weird stuff you can do with ghosts. Um, the the other answer, the less specific favorite monster is Call of Cthulhu. There's uh, the Hounds of Tindalos, and they are time traveling dogs. And of they are. what I love about them is that. Um, you'll like uh i the way i've seen them used is like you're looking through like a bunch of photos and there's a dog in it and you close the book and then you open it and the dog's gone and the dog is after you because it can go back and forth through time so it can show up in like different photos and stuff and it it's in a certain time so you can see it but then it suddenly vanishes and then it shows up in your time period and then like attacks you oh, and that jumps cool. you and so if you see a photo with it in it 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 can pick up your scent from that mm-hmm. that's fucking cool <laughs> yeah that's really cool uh um, it's also it's the bane of people who can scry because it's like oh i look into the past and i see something the dog can see you mm-hmm. and then it can come after you through the time oh yeah that's a great little side note by the way um, a great way to scare your players is to have someone look directly into the scryball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like you're scrying on a conversation that you really shouldn't be listening and eavesdropping in. And all of a sudden, the dragon just casually looks directly at you. And you're like, oh, oh, wait, hang on. No, no, no. He knows you were listening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that is so good. Yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's just a little I, side note. <laughs> I thought of a couple of them. And, and rust monsters and cockatrices. <laughs> and the reason I say this is because uh, there there is an old um, I mean old now because it was during the playtest of fifth edition, but like there uh, I think it was oh man what what was it called like the the oh, I can't remember what the adventure was called Scott Kurtz helped write it um, and it was a just murder dungeon from for like the playtest and like literally the f- opening part you could get eaten by a purple worm at level one. Um, <laughs> But like the rust monsters, they will straight up destroy your crap, <laughs> like which is not great. And then you have a cockatrice shows up that can just turn you to stone. That's terrifying. <laughs> um, but the, 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 those were just those were the two that popped up in my head just because I actually remember having fear for players when I heard about them. But the one that actually popped up in my head is killers, and because you were saying earlier like mystery and stuff like that, and like. A rogue wizard that fucks with their victims like Scarecrow with illusion magic. Oh, nice, nice. That's the kind of, like, I, 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 I've I, always wanted to do an investigation D&D game that's not quite like Call of Cthulhu, that's still very much D&D, but it's still them solving something. And I've always thought that that kind of villain 
would be really interesting for it. Where and plus it's multi-classing and you get into some fuckery stuff there. <laughs> but ben, you, know, you know, a serial that. killer has to just be a, a rogue. They got to run around with a knife. They can't kill people with a firebolt or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, like I, I think that sort of sort of thing using the magic and whatnot to do like the like from hell stuff like that could be interesting mm-hmm. oh yeah. yeah no that's a fantastic point like D is is heavy in the world of magic it's a high mm-hmm. fantasy setting where yeah. you've got people that are literally made of magic they got magic hair they've got <laughs> magic hair i mean laurel Solarhand, she's got magic hair you know yeah, it's like true. magic is everywhere in this game and if you're not using magic to kind of introduce some sort of spooky element, you're missing out a little bit, I think, because you, you could certainly yeah. do something with it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is, this is partially a side note was that <laughs> there was an interesting discussion where they were asking, like, what percentage of people in Faerun have magic spells and abilities it was an interesting discussion like obviously you can't come to any specific number it's very hard to but the more i was thinking about the more i was thinking like there's gotta it's gotta be like because some people were saying no it's gotta be like one out of every ten thousand or something like that but they're like Mm -hmm. but water deep's like one hundred thirty thousand people because so it's one out of every ten thousand that means that it's like 13 people in water deep can cast spells like that seems kind of low considering they have like schools of magic and stuff and the more you think about it it's like it might be like 2%, like 2% or 3% of people could cast spells or something, which actually feels kind of like, oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, like everyone knows a cleric. Everyone, like, they're almost <laughs> kind of like a mechanic. Like, oh, yeah, everyone knows a mechanic. You know, a dentist. <laughs> like, like the yeah. warlocks are dentists. My, my buddy <laughs> just got killed. Don't worry. I know a guy. <laughs> Family friend. He'll get you a good price. 100% I could see that. Because like in a graduating high school class, right? It's like 100 to 200 people or so. You know one person is going to be a doctor. Like, <laughs> at least. <laughs> but I it, love it. But it is interesting because it's like, uh, sometimes we want it to be like a really, like, oh, magic is really exclusive. But then if you have stuff like magic schools and like, oh, if everyone knows what a warlock is, they have to be yep. relatively common. But yep. the assumption is because people don't know about warlocks that it might be like one in 30,000. Like a mm-hmm. really, really, like warlocks might be the most rare and then... Clerics are kind of like, well, you know, like one in five hundred or something. Like everyone knows a cleric. Like, <laughs> like let, let, let's be real. If if warlocks were a thing and a known possibility for someone, I, I mean, we've seen people simping over this vampire mama. Like people like find out there's a hot devil, they'd be like, "Yes, please." <laughs> <laughs> all right, fine. I guess it's like one out of every fifty. It was all the gods. <laughs> I just want to see an Eldritch. cult that's just trying to promote like the physical image of their cambion that they that they follow oh like, my god i just want to put up a poster sir it's illegal to put up posters of devils i just want to put up one poster <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually actually um uh Aaron m evans you know uh, she wrote the the brimstone angels and and there's a there's a cambion in there that frida gets her powers from uh lorcan and i started asking her, i'm like why why did you make that man so hot like it, why did why did you do that that's not fair <laughs> oh one other funny part about this is like if you if if the number of warlocks is really rare like one of every mm. 300,000 or something you could play through an entire like session and kill all the warlocks theoretically in Faerun <laughs> like all 10 of them or something <laughs> I'm just imagining now this moment when you're walking like randomly through a city like Waterdeep or something and the warlock 
suddenly looks across the street and there's another edgelord and they're just like they have the spider-man pointing at each other moment and they're like hang on a second (laughs) and it's the first time you see another warlock and they're just as confused as you are (laughs) (laughs) um well uh we got a little bit off the the topic there but uh i hope that answered your question uh (laughs) willie d billiam uh, but uh, thank you both for writing into difficultyclass at gmail.com. And you, listener, yeah, you right there with the headphones in your ear, driving, maybe driving around. Like, don't have headphones in your ear while you're driving. What are you doing? Get those out of your ear. Stop that. <laughs> put, put, put us in the stereo. Everybody deserves to hear us. Come on now. You can write in too. Difficultyclass at gmail.com. Uh, ben, if, if somehow people don't know who you are or where they can find you, what is the answer to those questions? Now, hello, my name is Ben. I run YouTube channels. My name is Puffin Forest. And YouTube is Puffin Forest at YouTube.com. Okay. Great. Perfect. No need for a take two. <laughs> Please record that as a promo to just give people. It's just like, how we want to promote you. Here, put this 10 seconds at the start of your show. I love it. Yeah, go go, go. follow Ben. Go subscribe to him. Go do all that fun stuff. Yeah. Got yeah. good videos. Allie was in a video. She, did, she, she talked about magic cards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm also the, the purple mage that's occasionally in his in his, his yeah, videos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> occasionally, yes, I like that. Mm-hmm. I'm actually I'm uh up and coming. I am planning a video for Alagaros, and <gasps> um, it's talking about uh Zurich and uh how that campaign ended, oh and also the weirdness of going back through. Okay, so basically, the summer um a spoiler is like. So when I look back at some of our old notes, it's really weird thinking about like, oh, I'm dumb and I only have a 12 <laughs> in, in my stat or something and not knowing what the stat meant. And then in addition, um, making fun of the fact that like we would cast spells, but we didn't know exactly what they did. And so <laughs> we just randomly do stuff or we didn't know exactly how curses work so like someone had crown of madness so we physically tried to pull it off yeah. and we thought like maybe we permanently lost a character because yeah. we couldn't pull it off i love it but like in hindsight you're looking at that and it's like no that was crown of madness it only had a one minute duration like there's no way you know that's that no, are you kidding me like why would you be asking crown of madness like there's so yeah. much better spells to do oh man going back all the way back, that would crown a madness as an enchantment or uh, aura that you could put on someone in uh, a Magic Gathering game. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. Oh yeah, That'd be great. Cool. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And if you you listen to the previous episode here, uh, Katya was in that same game. Uh, she tried pulling off the crown of madness from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't work. <laughs> Love it. Um, well, I mean, I guess that was our show for this week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Into the outro we go. <laughs> All right, goodbye. <laughs> thanks, Ben. You're the All best. Right. Okay, yeah. thanks. <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, want to support it, the best way to do that is by leaving a review on your service of choice, as well as telling your friends about the show. If you'd like your questions, advice, or stories read on the show, just like what we did today, send them into difficultyclass at gmail.com. And if you'd like to stay up to date on the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Difficulty Class. And you can follow us, uh, Trevor and I, also on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on at Alleybug321 and at Rumi Rummers. Uh, Trevor, where can they find you? At the Trevor. There's an A hiding in there. Eventually. Ben, where, the, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, I am Pum First on Twitter. 
sweet. Got that branding. I love it. I have I have a theme and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> so until next week, have a good game. Thank you.